It's probably going to be a different type of draft this year compared to years past. Yes, the 76ers still have lots of picks. No, none of them are in the lottery. The team is confident and can find talent with what it's got. There's players that can be drafted and that can help an NBA franchise. We get a view from the front office and also hear from a resident local college hoops expert and pick his brain on the Sixers and the draft. I'd like to get two rotation players out of this draft. You've got your core presumably entering its prime and you want to supplement that. They need to get a player or two who can make you viable in playoff games where your stars are are resting. 76ers general manager Elton Brand and ESPN bracketologist Joe Lenardi on this episode of The Broadcast. Our draft season series most definitely rolling right on along here on the podcast. How you doing? I'm Brian Seltzer. The 76ers creeping closer to June 20th, the date of the 2019 NBA draft at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. The Sixers tied with the Atlanta Hawks for the most picks of any franchise in this year's draft with five. They've got number 24 in the first round, then numbers 33, 34, 42, and 54 in round two. A lot of stuff, a lot of options, what the 76ers could do with those picks, how they view the draft. We'll get some insights from Elton Brand and also speak with ESPN's Joe Lenardi, the man. And he'll weigh in on what he thinks this draft class could hold for the Sixers. Before we get started... Reminder that to subscribe to the podcast, you type in Sixers Podcast Network just about anywhere you get your pods. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud. Those are all places that carry our podcasts. Just go there, type in Sixers Podcast Network, and please do subscribe. And at the very least, on a weekly basis, just about, you'll get brand new, fresh content in your feeds. As we said, five draft picks for the 76ers and their GM, Elton Brand. Interestingly enough, another subplot to this year's draft, while EB was in the 76ers front office this time last year, Brett Brown, as you remember, was the acting interim general manager and president of basketball operations. So not only has Elton had about, by this point, nine to ten months of experience as a full-time NBA general manager, Under his belt, he's also running the front office going into a draft for the first time. He spoke with the media following the 76ers' final pre-draft workout at the training complex on Tuesday. And he said the Sixers are looking for a player who could compete for a spot in the top eight of the rotation pretty much right away. How prepared is the front office? Here's what EB had to say. It's just such a wide range. We're very prepared. Uh, I think Vince Rosman and the staff did a great job. Um, doing deeper dives, so I'm prepared to go see X, Y, and Z like I did. You know, sat through different tournaments, and I was keyed on on certain players that, that we felt that could help us um, not just you know play defense or space the court, but also their character. You know, that intel piece is great, and for our organization, for our city, adding high-character individuals is important to me. Lots of optionality for the Sixers with their five picks, and they believe that there's good talent in the mid-20s, where they're going to be picking first in this year's draft, or at least slated to at this point going into draft night. But about that character factor that Elton mentioned, what is it specifically the Sixers are looking for? What type of 
DNA profile do they seek in a prospect? Here are Elton's thoughts. Tough, hard-nosed, you know, respectful, wants to get better. You know, treat your teammates with respect. Um, you know, just younger players, we'd like a high IQ. Guy that knows how to play, play defense, make the right pass, take the shot when warranted, and competitive. You know, we want tough competitors um, that can think the game. I like that phrase that EB threw out there. Tough competitors who can think the game. Strong in mind and in skill. Sixers have a few of those guys already on the roster, like let's say the 2014 number three pick, Joel Embiid, and the 2016 number one pick, Ben Simmons. Brand shared some insight on what those two guys in particular have been up to lately with the offseason in full swing. They've been working hard, so the goal is to just keep the momentum. Just how do we take that into the summer? But they've been executing their plans, and they're still hungry. They still feel that pain to lose how they lost. So you know, as tough as it was losing like that, we're going to get better from it. And that, at the end of the day, is the name of the game, right? EB trying to move the 76ers closer towards a championship. And despite that really tough Game 7 loss, the eventual NBA champions, Toronto Raptors, in the second round of the playoffs this spring, Elton is very optimistic, looking forward about the Sixers, and he sounded mighty motivated as well. It just shows me that we were close. We are close. So my goal this summer is to, to get better you know, through the draft, through free agency, what we have to do, and, and be able to compete again at that level. But it definitely hurts. It definitely hurts. And from the players to the coaches to you know, my staff, we want to grow and, and we want to get better. A former number one pick himself, by the Chicago Bulls in 1999, Elton Brand on the 2019 draft and what it could hold for the 76ers. Joe Lenardi, our bracketologist buddy, one of the best guys there is, certainly someone who knows his college basketball. He'll weigh in on the draft in just a moment. want to tell you first that on draft night, we will be bringing to you our annual draft night live coverage. Going to be a little bit different in years past. You know, with the Sixers picking in the lottery each of the last couple of years, we've gone live and pretty much carried it through the entire night from start to finish. This year, Tom McGinnis and I, we're going to pace ourselves. We're going to be on Sixers.com, the Sixers app, Twitter, and Facebook with a couple segments throughout the night. We're going to start at 7 o'clock, about a half hour before the uh, New Orleans Pelicans on the clock for the first pick. And then we will come back on right as the 76ers are picking projected at number 24 and bring you Elton Brand's draft night recap press conference when everything is said and done. So again, it's going to be on Sixers.com, the Sixers app, Twitter, and Facebook, 76ers Draft Night Live. Myself, Tom McGinnis, will have interviews, bring in a couple staff members from the Sixers, speak with some media members as well. It should be a good time and hopefully content you can use. So please do follow along as well as all of our social channels for the latest in terms of coverage from Camden and Barclays Center. Joe Lenardi, bracketologist extraordinaire, always gracious with his time at this time of year on the podcast, and this year is no different. Joe Lenardi helps us preview the 2019 draft. Joe, how are you, man? Good to talk with you. I'm doing great, Brian. It's always good to do our little annual uh, NBA draft chat, and it's hard to believe it's already here. 
It's crazy. But I, I am glad that we can say that this is now an annual thing. I think we can officially say if there's anything definitive about the draft before it happens, it is this has now become an annual thing, which we here in Sixers Land are very much appreciative of. And, you know, I view it as an annual way to kind of get myself geared back up uh, to speak intelligently on some of these topics. And I'm sure some of the some of the listeners might think unintelligently on some topics. But it's that kind of speculation, I think, that makes the NBA draft such a fascinating um, kind of enterprise. Not to butter you up too much because you certainly don't need it. But I was going to say, you know, Joe Lenardi and intelligent speaking go together like sunshine on a golf course. They're just two natural fits. <laughs> uh, can I get a copy of this yeah. for my wife and my children? <laughs> Noted. Um, all right, so we certainly are going to dive into what you think might happen for the 76ers and currently the five picks they hold in the draft. But uh, really interestingly, of course, with a proposed trade right now in the NBA between the New Orleans Pelicans and the Los Angeles Lakers, that shuffles things in the draft overall. And I wanted to start by getting your general thoughts and themes that you're keeping an eye on as we go into this year's draft before we get into more granular stuff pertaining to the Sixers. Yeah, I guess, you know, it feels to me the the NBA version of where we were at the start of the college season this past year where it, you, you know, it felt like the Duke Invitational, right? <laughs> like it was Duke's title to lose because, you know, they signed the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and whatever top-rated recruits. It was an outrageous haul led, of course, by Zion Williamson and – uh, you know, now we've got Zion and, and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish all projected, and rightfully so, I think, to to be very, very, very uh, high-end picks in this draft. So, you know, we're going to see a lot of uh, blue and white, I think, in these early picks. And uh, it justifies, in some respects, the recruiting rankings that these guys got going into last college season. I think, Brian, but at, at the same time, also uh, kind of exemplifies for the the college fans also tuning in that, you know, having an all-star team or having the best, you know, roster on paper uh, doesn't always translate into instant championships, particularly in at the college game where – you know, it's a single elimination, 40-minute test. And, and Duke went out in the round of eight and could easily have gone out a round or two before that because they were in so many close games. And, and that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, uh, so, so time will tell with these guys uh, if, if they evolve into perennial all-stars. I mean, certainly Williamson uh, is getting as much hype as any uh, potential number one overall pick in a long, long, long time. Um, and and I think he will be an NBA all-star, but I don't think he's going to be an NBA all-star next February. If we were to envision this year's draft kind of like a line graph, where would the biggest flex points of interest be for Joe Lenardi? I guess I'm, I'm framing that in terms of pick range from like, does it go from one to three? Does then the interest vary a little bit? Does it pick up later in the first round? Where would you identify the biggest points of influx in your interest, or maybe even better put, intrigue in this year's draft? That's a great way to look at it. I mean, I'm certainly looking at 
I, I think there's a flex point at four for sure. Uh, after, you know, Zion and Moran and RJ Barrett in, in, it seems that unless something really crazy happens that those three are going to go and by all accounts in that order. And now with, particularly with a different owner of the number four pick potentially in, in new Orleans, how does that impact? Like, from a basketball standpoint, if if I were ranking, you know, a draft board, I think DeAndre Hunter is is the fourth best player in this draft uh, that I project. I, I would even consider him relatively equal to R.J. Barrett, at least based on what Barrett did as a collegian. But I tend to be a little more biased toward long-term college production. Uh, and and I think that Hunter gives you that. Plus, I, I had gotten to know him a little bit, so maybe I'm biased. I just think he's a great kid and a great prospect and the kind of guy I would want on my franchise. Uh, so that's a flex point. And then, you know, I look at a guy probably middle first, who, who I think could could move up five and move down five and surprise us. Uh, I, I think Romeo Langford out of Indiana is is a really talented and intriguing prospect. And, and, and you know, I see him in that, you know, maybe low teens, Brian. And uh, I, I could see him sliding because, frankly, Indiana wasn't very good even with him. And there was one point where I even, you know, was kind of fantasizing about him lasting until the Sixers pick. Um, I, I, I think if that happens, it would be a gift. But he, he may not be a flex point numerically, but he's a flex player for me in this draft. And, and maybe that's as good a segue as any in, into the Sixers themselves. And I'll say that, and also this idea that you discussed and referenced about longer-term college production when you were talking about DeAndre Hunter, a fine Philadelphia man, because it sounds like, based on what the 76ers have said publicly, that is something that it may not be an end-all, be-all in terms of criteria for a pick they could make at 24, but it's certainly something they're considering strongly, that given where the state of the team is right now competing for an NBA championship, they're looking for a guy who has a mature vibe about his game. Now, he could be 19 and be a mature player, or he could be 21 and be a mature player, but that seems to be one of the themes the 76ers have focused on. It looks like in this draft there might be some options, if that's your criteria and the profile you're looking for. And I totally agree with that assessment. I mean, and, and I'm talking more as a fan here of anything else. Uh, you know, I watched every playoff game, like like probably everyone following this interview did. And, and you know, I, I, I want to see the Sixers advance. So I want guys who can play now and and contribute now and be in the rotation now and and if that means they're older you know chronologically simply because they'll be more productive sooner i guess it would be like the baseball equivalent of of taking a college player out of the college world series right as opposed to some high school shortstop in california who hits you know 650 against 
guys who can't pitch any better than you and I. Uh, and and then trying to make that judgment and having most of them, you know, wash out. I, I if like I'd like to get two rotation players out of this draft, and if that means that they're twenty two or twenty three instead of you know nineteen, I, I'm fine with that. Now you know you've got your core, presumably entering its prime, and and you want to supplement that and the realities of the salary cap make it hard to buy those guys now. So, you know, they need to get a player or two, not who are going to be perennial all-stars, but, but, you know, who can make you viable in those minutes in, in big games in playoff games where, you know, where, where your, your stars are, are, are resting, frankly, because, there still aren't very rarely somebody who plays 48 minutes in a playoff game. Uh, you know, even Kawhi Leonard, you know, would sit down for 15 or 20 seconds. And uh, <laughs> that's all it seemed anyway. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I lean older because I'm, I'm focused on next May and next June. It's going to sound like a lazy question. What are some of the best options, in your opinion, at 24? But I also feel like it's you got to ask it, especially given this stage of the first round, because uh, for a while, and this to me seems to be the case in most years, you, you have a pretty good sense of who some of the top players in the lottery are going to be. You may not know exactly where they go, but there's generally that group of players that it's pretty much consensus opinion that they are the top guys in the draft. Whereas right now, I mean, as I follow mocks and I try to get more caught up on stuff that I wasn't watching while the NBA regular season and the playoffs were going on, um, it's just that there is a lot of movement, whether guys go to workouts, perform well at workouts, that whole thing that can happen week by week, point oh by version point oh of whatever mock draft you're looking at. In the 20s. So I, I will ask what may sound like a lazy question, but I think also pertinent as well. You know, what you've been seeing lately is guys who might be the most viable in and around that mid-20 slot that the Sixers are going to be at. Yeah, and I'm following as an outsider, you know, who's coming in for workouts, uh, what, what you know, crumbs are given by management about those individuals. Um, y- you know, like I don't think a Romeo Langford is going to last – until 24, but I would love like a Cam Johnson from North Carolina, because to me, he checks the following boxes should be ready to play. He's almost 23, uh, four year college player with clearly trending positive production you know, at the highest level of college basketball, right? You don't have to worry about the level of competition in the ACC. He's basically a 39, 40% career three-point shooter, and that works for me. Uh, so that's kind of an offensive player to focus on and, and, and who who I think would be a rotation player regardless of, of what free agents the team retains. Uh, and... And then, you know, to me, my other worry, just from a roster construction standpoint, is, and I think the Sixers have been exposed on, on their perimeter defense in the last couple of playoffs, and 
by acclamation the best perimeter defender in college last year was the kid from Washington, Matisse uh, Seibel. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Uh, you know, another four-year guy, another older guy uh, whose game should translate pretty quickly, at least at the defensive end. And, you know, if if you were to tell me a week from now after the draft, hey, the Sixers just got a, a legit projectable defensive stopper on the perimeter who, who's going to give you 10 minutes a half and shut somebody down. Uh, I, I think that would, that would play a long way for a playoff team in, into the future. So those are two guys that are kind of on my personal wish list. So many people very much understandably associate you with tournament time of the year for college basketball. How much have you found the performance of a prospect in the postseason in the NCAA tournament to affect their stock? Like a guy like Ty Drome, obviously, is a name that's been floated around as someone who could go in the mid-20s. I think it impacts more and more all the time because of the visibility of the tournament. I'm not sure what the analytics people would say about that. In fact, actually, I think I am sure. I think they would say it's way too small of a sample size to do serious projections. I mean, if Belmont, for instance, doesn't get the last at-large bid and doesn't beat Temple and get into the main bracket and doesn't have uh, Dylan Weinler, you know, drop 35 on Maryland, is he even on the board as somebody that we're talking about. But but if I got a Cybill, let's say, at 24, then I'm going for that, you know, Tobias Light with my next pick. And I think he's a guy who, you know, a 6'8 stone-cold shooter uh, who, who's getting bigger and stronger and was unafraid on the biggest stage he ever played on. Well... If that's the only evidence that we have about a guy like that against the highest level of competition, then we really do have to add a little bit more weight to his postseason performances. Um, but, but, but again, having said that, you know, there are a lot of guys who've had great tournaments and that was the highlight of, you know, kind of their basketball career. Um, you know, how many points did Bo Kimball score in the NCAA tournament in the Hank Gathers year? Uh, like a bushel, like 200. <laughs> and then he he was a single-digit pick of the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken, and you know didn't really ever have that much of a of a pro career. So so I think you can certainly overvalue. Uh, with some recency bias, what what just happened in the NCAA tournament. As we begin to wrap this up, over the years that we have done this, you are always very gracious and objective and neutral in discussing products from the school on Lancaster Avenue. Um, the 76ers, they've had uh, a handful of local guys in for workouts, whether it was Shiz Alston Jr., Eric Paschal, and Philip Booth were... Uh, in on the same day the other weekend. I'm going to potentially break some news here and tell you that Charlie Brown is coming in for a workout for the 76ers on Tuesday. 
So tell me, what do you think the local landscape is looking like as far as guys who are trying to extend their pro ambitions, whether it's someone like a Pascal who could be projected to go towards the top of the second round, or other guys that might be looking to land summer league contracts and uh, contracts through the G League? Well, it's funny you mentioned Lancaster Avenue. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't get a chance to see Cabrini play this year, <laughs> so I can't make an honest – no, uh, <laughs> I, I, rem- I remember last year talking about just how incredibly elite Villanova was as a college team in, in, in that second of, of the two titles that they've won in the last few years. I mean, they were really – they were good when they won it the first time on the Chris Jenkins shot, but they were elite last year. And then the draft proved that they had three first-round picks plus – the national player of the year in Jalen Brunson, not three number one picks, including, right? So they had four elite players uh, and, and really one of the best college teams in a long, long time. Uh, and, and I know we're, you know, talking a year history now, but we never, you and I had a chance to follow up because I thought, I thought they were the best team in the history of the big five, but but by you know a pretty by enough of a margin that that you could make that case and and with a straight face. So this year, uh, I have been on record as being wrong about Eric Pascal at pretty much every level of his development uh, because of course he started at Fordham. He was the Atlantic Ten Freshman of the Year there and i thought he was just okay i thought well somebody has to get numbers at fordham right they're not going to get shut out you know they're not going to lose 80 to nothing even if they lose 80 to 60 somebody's got to get 25 right (laughs) and and I, i was not one to bang the drum when he transferred up to villanova i thought he would be a nice player i did not think he would be, uh, you know, a, a, a key cog on a national championship team. And then, frankly, this year, he and Phil Booth, simply by the virtue of being seniors who thought they were supposed to win, I thought willed a team to overachieve. Um, I, I just I, – I've, I've talked to people who scouted Villanova last year, including in the NCAA tournament, and went, you know, man – like they just weren't really that by their own standards recently. They just weren't that special, but he and Booth willed them because they were older guys who expected to win. Uh, so I'm not going to make the mistake of being wrong with Eric this year. Uh, I see him as a top of the second round guy, but in an ESPN mock, I saw most recently they had him, believe it or not, Number 24 to the 76ers, uh, which feels like a little bit of a reach to me. But, you know, if he's on, if that happens and he's on the next 76er championship team, I don't want to be wrong again. So I like Eric Pascal. In in the case of Charlie, uh, you know, I think he does have an NBA skill. Uh, He can really shoot. He's got a great release. 
Uh, I think his basketball IQ is pretty high. Uh, I thought he was uh, an impactful rebounder for how slight he is. But, you know, I, I, I just think he really needs work on his handle. Like, he turned the ball over and made misplays and got the ball kind of slapped away a lot in the two years I saw him at St. Joe's. I love him as a kid, and I'm certainly rooting for him. He's older. He's, you know, in that 23-year-old range in spite of uh, only playing two years of college. He missed one with an injury. There was a year of prep school in there, and he was older for his high school class to begin with. Uh, but but I suspect he'll end up, if he's going to be the next Hawk in the NBA, he's probably going to have to kind of go the Langston Galloway route, I think. You know, through the well, now the G League and, and, and get noticed that way because uh, he would be a deep second-round pick to me. And and if at all, he, he might even be better, the proverbial, hey, you're better to get, you know, on the roster of a, of a, of a team in the summer where you're more of a fit. And, and, and hopefully that, that will happen for him. The wisdom, always pure, and exceptional from Joe Lenardi. Joe, great catching up per usual. Thank you very much for the time. Good luck, my friend, and enjoy the draft. You know I'll be watching. Thanks, man. Always love hearing from Joe Lenardi. Great to hear from Elton Brand for the first time since the Sixers were eliminated from the postseason as well. Big night for the franchise, absolutely, on Thursday, NBA Draft 2019. Follow us on all our different social feeds. Tune in to Draft Night Live. Be on the lookout for a new episode of the pod at some point in the days after the draft. We'll recap it all right here on the broadcast. See you.